I'm going to introduce Dr. Rick Mann to you. I just call him Rick. I call him Rick, and he calls me Andrew, and it works out good. Um, but um, Rick is my leadership coach, and uh, he's been provided by the Central Pacific District, which is the district that we belong to in the Christian and Missionary Alliance, which is our denomination. It's a tribe of over 6 million uh, overseas, much larger outside the U.S. than inside, where we're about 800 thousand or so strong and about 1,800 churches in the U.S. So, um, Rick and his lovely bride, Sherry, are in from the Nashville area where he serves as the head of the MBA program at Treveca University, which is a Nazarene university, but he's also served as a president of Crown College, which is one of our alliance uh, universities in Minneapolis-St. Paul, as well as he's got three great kids and grandkids most of all, he loves Jesus, and he has a heart Amen. for us, and he has a heart for Chico. He has a heart to see us reach our city and show the goodness of God to our city. So I'm thankful for your friendship. I'm thankful for how wholeheartedly you step into ministry and how you give of yourself, and thank you for being willing to share with us this morning. May God bless you. Good to be with you, man. Thank you. I'm going to grab this water here. <clears throat> it is fun to be with you. Yesterday we had a great day. We had about 100 people who wanted to be together and to uh, be a part of what I call the Jesus Revolution. And 50 years ago, I lived in Corona Del Mar, just right up the street from Pirate's Cove that you'll see. If you've not seen the movie Jesus Revolution, I would encourage you. Those were tough times in America, divided uh, divided uh, across the country. I remember living in L.A., the Watts riots at those times. Fifty years later, we live in a divided nation, and we're just asking that God would continue to do a new, revelation, a new revolution in our day. And so we're praying that we might mobilize all of you across Chico, that this city might be a different place because you're here. I want to mention also uh, something I'm going to do at the, at the end of the service. Um, when I was in high school, I was, uh, so I was uh, born in L.A., uh, quite a, a hellion in, that, uh, in those days. My, I, my sister called me the brother from hell, and I was quite a troublemaker. Um, uh, about 10 years later, I was arrested at gunpoint when I was a junior in high school, and uh, by the Lord's grace, didn't go to jail. But about a year after that, when I was 18, Linda Russell said, hey, Rick, you want to go to church with me? No, not really. I don't, really, I, don't really, I don't really do church. My family doesn't do church, so I don't want to do that. So she said, hey, Rick, why don't you come to church with me? She was after me. She was after me. I didn't really like the idea of church, but I liked Linda. And so, uh, so a church about this size, she invited me. I sat right over here, and I came to that church, and the pastor said, hey, you can have forgiveness from your sins in Jesus' name. And I looked to my left, and I looked to my right, and I said, that's not a very good deal for these nice church folks. But for me, I have truckloads of sin. I'm going forward. So when the pastor at the end of the service said, hey, if you'd like to uh, give your life to Jesus today and have forgiveness in Jesus' name, just come right up. I was out of the pew to the front. Uh, soon after that, a couple weeks later, I met Sherry at college at Miami University. 
and we have been at this so 40 plus years ever since. So because of that, I don't know how you got here today. I don't know if you're online or whatever, but at the end of this service, I'm going to give you the opportunity for you to give your life to Jesus. We see this happen regularly, and so I just want to kind of prepare you that that's something coming. It was wonderful to be in this room. I love the high ceiling, the beautiful pictures on the screen, the cross there. It is a delight to be with you today, and we want to talk about Jesus. So I think we're going to put those slides on the screen there, if that's coming. Okay, there, there we have that here. So when you look at that screen, you'll say, Experiencing Christ-Centered Kingdom Fullness Through the Lord's Prayer. Now, if you were here yesterday, you say, Rick, didn't we talk about this yesterday? We can never talk enough about Jesus and I was on a prayer retreat recently, and I was driving there, and I was distracted. I think Sherry did something to hurt my feelings. That happens now and then. And, and the Lord reminded me, if you were here yesterday, you know I like fives. So I said, the Lord reminded me, it is not about you. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's kind of harsh. <laughs> it is all about Jesus. Okay, Lord, I think I have this. If you remember Rick Warren's famous book, Purpose Driven Life, in the first sentence of the first chapter, it says, it's not about you. So what happens is, is when we take our eyes off ourselves, we put our eyes on the cross, we look to Jesus, transformation can continue to happen. And that's what we're going to look at today. Now, I'm a professor in Nashville, and so I have a little bit of that teacher educator in me. So I'm going to try to teach you some things today that you can remember, that you can take. And so let's look at the uh, next slide. Oh, I, I think I have my clicker right here. Does that work? Uh, yeah, there it is right there. Okay, so, so if, you have, if you have grandchildren, how many of you have grandchildren? Okay, Sherry and I, we're not deprived of grandchildren. We have 14. And so tomorrow we're going to get in the car, we're going to drive to Salem, Oregon. Our son's a pastor there, and we're going to see five of them. And Mercy is the oldest. Uh, she's adopted from Ethiopia. Her parents didn't think they could have children, so they adopted her, and then they had four more. So they have a crowd. But Mercy turned 13 last month. I said, okay, Mercy, you're on a 13 to 30 journey, and that is a tough journey for you and your parents. So if you are the parents or the grandparents of anybody who's 13 to 30, be patient with them and yourself because that is not an easy journey these days. I like it. I grew up off the Rogue River in southern Oregon, and I think of those salmon going up the river. So if you are a 13 to 30-year-old today, you've got to swim upstream because the current is going downstream, and it's a challenging world out there. So encourage the 13 to 30-year-olds around them. Take them out for a burger or a shake. Have some fun with them because those are tough years. Well, you can see up here Bible, Jesus, kingdom, identity. You've got those four pieces there. I know I normally do things in five but you've got your four pieces there. So if you have a four-year-old child, grandchild, uh, what did I say here? I said um, 7, 17, 27, or 17. You can talk about these four things. So the first thing is, is that the Bible is our book for life and faith. And I'm so thankful to be in a church that believes in the Bible, that preaches the Bible, that learns the Bible. And so you can start off, the Bible is our guide for life and faith. The second thing we see there is that Jesus is the central person in the Bible. So as we think about what is the Bible about, from Genesis to Revelation, it's about this person, Jesus. So if you're talking to your four or five-year-old child or grandchild, you can say, okay, okay, uh, Jimmy, uh, the book that we place our lives on is the Bible, and the person that we follow is Jesus, and he's alive today. The third thing is that Jesus' message 
is about the kingdom of God. So Jesus came saying, the kingdom of God is upon you. Jesus is alive and the kingdom presence is here right now. And when we have the kingdom presence among us, some really cool things that we're going to talk about. So we have the Bible. We have Jesus. We have the kingdom of God. And the fourth thing we have here is the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to talk about that this morning. So if you know someone in this community who doesn't know Jesus or you have a family member or something, if you want to talk to them about the Lord, you could say, hey, I went to this service recently and this guy talked about the Lord's Prayer and I saw it in a new light. I saw it some new ways. I'd love to talk with you about that sometime. A lot of people who are not believers know the Lord's Prayer. So we're going to go through that verse by verse today as we look into God's Word and what He has for us. Okay, so these four things. What's the first thing? The Bible. What's the second thing? Okay, that's a good start. The Bible and Jesus is a great thought. What's the third thing? The kingdom of God. That might be new for you, but when Jesus came, he brought and proclaimed the kingdom of God. What's the fourth thing? The Lord's Prayer. So if you just say, for the rest of my life, I'm going to talk to people about the Bible, Jesus, the kingdom of God, and the Lord's Prayer, you don't have to have any textbook. You don't have to memorize anything. That, those four things will get you to some great places in your conversations and in your own life. And I have those kind of outlined there. So let's go to the next slide. I guess that's my deal, right? Do I go there? Uh, okay, yeah, I've, I've not been the, at a church where you can just like advance the slides yourself right there. So in the Christian Missionary Alliance, which Andrew mentioned about, is a group of Jesus-centered people. And this comes from their website. In the Alliance, we are Jesus people. We say all of Jesus because we are after his lordship, a complete transformation in our lives through his spirit. Scripture tells us that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work within us. If we believe that, then our lives change. This is from the website, as was mentioned there. Uh, a person I know, District Superintendent from Metro, I heard him say, all of Jesus for all of the world takes all of us. So I wrote him recently. I said, uh, Kelvin, I, I, I wondered, did you make that? He said, no, I actually got that from, from Cheryl Fugate, who's an alliance worker in Mexico. But I still like that. All of Jesus for all the world takes all of us. So we are not going to reach this community of Chico without all of us. Because all of you know 10, 20, 30 people that Andrew doesn't know. And so you can care for them, you can pray for them, you can reach out to them. We called that yesterday CPR. And CPR was developed in the 60s as a way for lay people to save lives. How many of you are trained in CPR? A lot of hands there. If I fall over right here, I'm in good hands with, with you here. But spiritually, we can go out in the community. We live in a lonely world of unshepherded people, so we can care for them, we can pray for them, and we can reach out to them in Jesus' name. So we are Jesus' people. And so let's go to this slide here. And I thought that it might be appropriate. If you wouldn't mind, go ahead and stand with me today. And we're going to recite this traditional version of the Lord's Prayer together. So begin with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You can be seated. 
a, a text you might have learned as a kid from your grandmother. You might have learned it in, in all sorts of contexts. And so we're going to go through these section by section. And my, my hope is by the time you're at lunch today, you say, you know, I don't think recently I thought of the Lord's Prayer like that. But it is truly transformational. It's easy to remember because uh, so many of us have memorized it, and we can take it segment by, by segment. So the first two words that we see here are our Father. And so our Father who art in heaven. And so we're going to start with this concept of kingdom identity. The identity is, is whose are we, and what is our identity? So many things in this world will question what our identity is. We talk about identity politics, but here it's simple for us. When Sherry and I worked in, for, in China for many years, we would carry our American passport, and people would say, oh, you're the Americans. And what I want to say is my passport is a U.S. passport, but my citizenship is in heaven. And my father is the father in heaven. Now, I grew up, like I said, in Medford, Oregon. And, and my parents were there. Uh, my parents got divorced when I was a young age, born in L.A., grew up in Oregon for a few years, came back to L.A. But I really didn't have a father of any real presence in my life. And so when they say our father, that brings all kinds of memories, the good, the bad, and the ugly in your mind. And so for some of us, you might, you might have grown up in this kind of family. You know, you got the dad, he loves the kids. My, my sons are much better father than I am, and I was a better father than my father was. But a lot of us did not have a great father necessarily growing up. You did not have a life that looked like this picture. And so what do you do in that situation? If you had this picture, just thank the Lord for that. If you didn't have this picture, there is still some good news for you. So I talk about the, the good, the bad, and the ugly side of our fathers. If you had a good or great father, that is so much to be thankful for. But if you didn't, you have a heavenly father who can enter in and fill that father wound in your heart and heal and bring wholeness to your life. The goal is understanding the patterns, insights, and freedom. So on my father's side, we were at the man's, and my, I was talking to my aunt about our family, and she says, you know, your, your grandfather's father was divorced and remarried five times. And so that was on the man's side. On the Clark side, that was my mother's side, I knew those grandparents. They lived in Medford. And when they were younger, they got married. They got divorced. They married other people. They got divorced and got remarried. So I come from a divorce-friendly uh, uh, family. And, and even when I was young, when, you know, I was having a bad day, I'm like, maybe we should just get divorced because that's what my family did. So what you want to do is you want to learn the family sin patterns that you come from. You want to have insight on the strengths that your family gives you and the sin patterns that the family gives you. Because sometimes I would say to Sherry and I, we are so much like our parents, we can hardly stand it sometimes. And so we bring those things into our lives. We don't know if it's a DNA, if it's the uh, nature or nurture, but we have impact in our lives from our families. And I think you want to understand that. So the first two words we start off in the Lord's Prayer is our Father. You need to understand your Father on earth, how that's impacted you, and you need to understand your Father in heaven, and how that can redeem, bring healing and wholeness to your life. In the future, as you look forward, you say, how can I take the strengths of my family growing up? How can I leave the family sins behind? How can I leave a healthy heritage 
for my children going forward. Our anniversary is on August 26th this year, 46 years, Sherry and me, right? And so we're uh, thankful for that. Uh, I have a very patient wife. But we often will get a card from our middle son, who's, who's the uh, son in Oregon. I don't know what he does with his office on his, on his uh, card for our anniversary. He'll say, thanks for staying married. And uh, because he realizes that I came from a background of divorce and I brought a lot of that baggage into my life. So just uh, ask the Lord to show you. What is it about your families that brings strength, liability? How is it that our Father is going to bring this in? I, uh, I wanted to uh, show you, I was looking at this the other day. I was looking at my birth certificate, and my parents were living at 9410 Airport Boulevard. And I looked it up on the map because I've flown into LAX so many times. It's at the end of the runway. And so I was born in Los Angeles. My parents took me home at the end of the runway. And I think of that as I, as I fly in. And so all those things that come from our birth going forward affect our lives today. And what we want to do is we want God to, to um, bless the strengths that we bring and redeem the brokenness of our lives that come even today. Now, if you don't know where that is, uh, there's a great In-N-Out burger right around the street, right around the corner. So let's look at uh, my father, my life, and my salvation. So I came from a broken home. My father was an alcoholic. He was absence. absence. I told you that my parents were divorced when I was young. And my, uh, my background of trouble with the law arrested at gunpoint at 17. But what happened then is I mentioned to you just a moment ago, a girl named Linda invited me to church. And I met this uh, Savior named Jesus. And then one day I was walking at Miami University down the hallway. And on the first floor of Stanton Hall, Miami University, he was talking to some girls out in the hall. And I said, Chuck, who are you talking to? He says, I'm talking to some Christian, Christ, some Christian girls from across the street. I said, really? One of those girls was, was Sherry. So I met her just a couple weeks after I became a Christian. There was a lot of healing that had to take. You can't be the brother from hell all these years, get married at 20 years old, not, a, not an idea that I recommend, and then, and then not have to deal with that brokenness going forward. And so our Father, who's in heaven, is able to do this. So as we think about this, uh, I often think of this song, If You Didn't Have a Good, Good Father, there's a song by, by Chris Tomlin that lyrics go, You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And what? I am loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. So I've taught MBA classes for many years, and sometimes I talk on leadership, and I'll talk about the impact that our families have on you. And so I'll say, just let me give you an example. My parents got divorced when I was eight. My father was pretty absent all those years. My mother got remarried when I was, uh, when I was a little bit later. We moved back to L.A. And so I had a stepfather. I said, I'm an older adult now, and I can tell you how many times my father and stepfather have told me they love me. It's zero. That's never happened once. And so what I can do when I'm discouraged or feeling abandoned or distressed with that, I can say, there's a good, good father in heaven. It's who he is. And I have loved by him. It's who I am. So all that loss and brokenness can be brought back together in identity. So when, I, when uh, yeah, let me uh, show this next slide. When you look at this and talk about kingdom identity, this is often how you think about yourself. So let me do this. These uh, lights are a little bit bright, but I, I liked uh, participation. Yesterday I was driving home, Sherry, I said, was I too scary today? She says, what do you mean? I said, I might, just, uh, I might just call out Mark right out of the crowd 
and, uh, and just ask him a question. We got Al here, and so I do recognize some of you, so I could call uh, uh, Karma by, uh, by name. But let me ask you this. Let me just, just say out to say, what are some words from the evil one that sometimes you hear in your mind? Can somebody just speak out one of those? Insignificant. What's that? You're not good enough. Ugly. You don't matter. Loser, failure, those kind of things. So the evil one is trying every day to discourage and distract us from the Father's love. And so what we do is we say, okay, I hear that voice and I'm just going to pause. I'm going to remind myself of my kingdom identity. My Father who is in heaven has said different things about me. And those are the things I'm going to do. Now, you'll have thoughts come through your mind all the time. You can't keep the thoughts out of your mind, but you can respond to them. And here's just a list of some things you can, you can see right there where you can say, I'm a child of God. I'm a disciple. I'm justified. I'm a member of the body of Christ. I'm complete in Christ. I'm redeemed. This list could go on and on there and on and on there and on and on there. And all the way around here, we could plaster the walls with who we are in Christ, our Father who art in heaven. So when we start off the Lord's Prayer, those two first words are life-changing as we think about kingdom identity. If you're a teenager and you're on that tough journey and you're a 15-year-old guy and your girlfriend dumps you, you're going to feel sad. But remember, you're a child of God and your identity is secure. If she likes you, it's great. If she doesn't like you, it's not the end of the world. You have some freedom in Christ based on who you are in him. Lose your job, not fun, not disappointing. We don't want to uh, ignore the emotions that we have, but we want to recognize and be reminded of who we are in Christ. So kingdom identity is where we start. Then what we're going to do is move to kingdom worship. Uh, I love that. I love that. I have to say, uh, uh, I'm a visual person. The high ceiling, the wood, the cross, those beautiful scenes that you had during worship, it's just, uh, it's just uplifted the worship team. Wasn't that wonderful today? Just to come in and sing songs about Jesus, sing songs about who God is, is, uh, is a detox experience from the toxic world that we live in. So we talk about kingdom identity. Say that with me. Kingdom identity, kingdom, uh, kingdom identity then kingdom worship. kingdom worship. Okay, folks, how many things are we going to talk about today? Five. Five things. You got it. Okay, because some people say, People say, Rick, why do you always do five? I said, my, hand, my right hand, I'm not Catholic, but it's kind of my rosary. Okay, <laughs> it is not about you, five things. It is all about Jesus. So I can just go through the waves. You can sometimes just see me going like this because it helps me to remember these things when all this world is rushing upon me and trying to distract me with other things. So the first thing is what? Kingdom. Identity. Kingdom identity. Next you have Kingdom. Kingdom worship, the first of the kingdom identity is about how we think about ourselves, how we think about God. Kingdom worship is really about our heart experiencing. So I can say God is my father in my mind, but to experience it in my heart is taking it to the next level. So I ask this question. Uh, let me, uh, let me, uh, I changed the order of these just a bit. But anyway, this is the right order that you have in there. Oh, so kingdom worship, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed means to be revered, to be honored. It's an old English term. And I, I like to ask this question. In your heart, how much you worship uh, Jesus? Now, this is a challenge. Am I in 49er country? Yes. 
Okay, so there are a lot of 49er fans here, and you might say, like so many Americans, I worship my NFL team on Sundays, even though I go to church. So what we're trying to do is, is that your favorite football time team will disappoint you. They will lose occasionally. They'll trade your favorite player. Their coach will do something stupid. But here's what I want to say is you can have fun watching the 49ers. But here's what I would say. You want to worship Jesus because he is the perfect Savior. He is the wonderful uh, one above the name above all names. And so I would just say is if do yourself a favor. Worship Jesus, not your favorite. Watch your favorite football team, but worship Jesus. You won't be disappointed as you think about that. Hallowed be thy name. As you, as you look through this, I ask the question often, who or what do you worship? And I said there that you can be your favorite football team, but it can be other things. And I like to say the things of this world make poor masters. So you can worship uh, the 49ers. You can worship your grandchildren. You can worship chocolate cake if you like food and chocolate. How many chocolate lovers out there? Okay, all right, we got quite a few there. How many of you, how many of you uh, go to the altar of, of coffee? Coffee is your favorite drug. Okay, your drug of choice. All right, we can enjoy all these things, but here what you say is, is that in our lives at the end of the day, these things will ask more of you and provide less to you. So we read in Romans 125. I think I, uh, yeah, I actually have that on a, on a slide there. Okay, it reads this way. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things. Now, notice that's in bold, created things. Now, you look all around you, it created things. Uh, your job, your children, your grandchildren, your football team, your fashion. These are all created things. When you worship created things instead of the creator, you'll be disappointed. So in the Old Testament, they said they had idols of wood, idols of stone, these kind of things. We have different idols today. It might be your job, might be money, might be fame and fortune, might be your, your favorite folks on YouTube or whatever that might be. But here's, here's what God says from the Old Testament to the New Testament. We want to worship Jesus, not created things. We want to worship the creator, not created things as you, as you think about that. And so uh, as you think about your own worship, I have there at the bottom, I'm not quite sure if you can, can you see that, Andrew? Okay. So here's what I would say is, is understand how does worship work for you? If you want to spend time with Jesus and worship him and really hear from him, uh, through worship. Is that being alone? Is that being in a crowd? Is that going to the ocean? Is that going to the mountains? Is that uh, solitude? Is that loud music? Is that soft music? Um, you need to understand what is your worship language because you want to spend time in that space for the Lord to be exalted and for your life to be changed because of that. All right, so we have kingdom identity and we have kingdom worship, worship kingdom identity, kingdom worship. You have those. And uh, let me just uh, mention this before. I have talked about here, what's your favorite drug of choice? So what happens is, is if you live in this world, you're going to experience pain. So what do you go to when you experience pain? Some people go to chocolate cake. Some people go to coffee. Some people go to this. Some people go to drugs, alcohol, pornography. And I was talking to a guy recently about his uh, pornography. He says, he says, when I get discouraged, when I get depressed, I go to pornography. And I said, you're looking for life in pornography, how's it doing? It doesn't deliver well. It's just like drugs. 
it'll promise something to you today and it'll, undeliver to, it'll underdeliver tomorrow. I said, if you turn away from pornography, drugs, and alcohol to Jesus, I said, your life will be renewed and you can find freedom from these points of addiction. But all of us have a drug of choice. Some of us workaholic. Some of us are grand, our grandchildren, whatever. So we have to ask ourselves, what is it that might be keeping us from the fullness of Jesus in our life? So let's go to our, our third piece. So, so we have kingdom identity. We have kingdom worship. And now we have kingdom presence. And so this is really spirit. So kingdom identity is how we think about ourselves and God. Kingdom worship is how we feel in our hearts about the presence of the Lord in our, in, as, as we lift up our eyes, as we did this morning, and worship him. Kingdom presence is in our spirit, and that's how we experience him at a, at a supernatural level. Now, uh, our minds can be uh, natural and supernatural, but here we're talking about the supernatural presence of God where we say, your kingdom come, as we look at that. So we have these words, your kingdom come, and we ask ourselves, how are you experiencing the presence of Jesus? You can, some people, it, it, Sherry shared on this yesterday, sometimes we experience the presence of God in the midst of worship. So that can happen there. Sometimes we can experience God in the midst of prayer. But God is not a God of the past. It's not who Jesus was or what Jesus did. It's who Jesus is and what he is doing right now. Jesus is alive. You're going to be here at Easter. You're going to celebrate he's alive. Well, listen, folks, he's alive right now today. And we can experience his kingdom presence in our very lives there. In Hebrews 13, 8, we read, Jesus, uh, yeah, Jesus Christ is the same, what, yesterday, today, and forever. And so what we realize is that this is not a historical thing of 2,000 years, is Jesus is, is uh, he came in the incarnation, he will come again in the uh, second coming of Christ, and we live in this kingdom of God space and he is alive. He's not physically present with us, but he's present with us through the Holy Spirit. So we just want to encourage you to say, if you're discouraged, to say, Lord, I want to invite the presence of Jesus into my discouragement, into my pain, into my sorrow. Uh, there's, a, there's an older song called, um, I'm trading my sorrows, I'm trading my pain. And I'm turning in. So oftentimes when somebody comes to me, we're not going to do it today. But if I had you come up here, I'd say, what do you want to do? You say, I'm experiencing pain. I said, see the cross right there? Yes. Take your pain, put it at the foot of the cross, and he will exchange or trade your pain for joy. He'll exchange your discouragement for hope. And so you can truly experience that transformative presence of Jesus in your life. Okay, so we have kingdom identity. What's next? Kingdom worship, kingdom presence. All right, you're, uh, you're, uh, I think by the end, you'll, you'll have that. When we think of the kingdom presence, just reminded theologically, the kingdom is already here, but not yet fully here. When Jesus came the first time, he said, the kingdom of God is among you. And when Jesus returns, the fullness of the kingdom will be fully here. We live in this in-between. So that means we can pray for healing. We can see people healed, but not every person's healed like it will be in heaven. So we can invite the presence of the power of the kingdom in our midst and see some supernatural things happen. But we have to invite and be open and seek the presence of God in our lives. Kingdom identity, what's next? Kingdom 
Kingdom worship? Kingdom presence. Kingdom presence. Okay, we're, uh, we're tracking there. Uh, not quite as strong as I'd like, but hey, we'll, um, we'll give you a little bit of, uh, of that there. When we, we can experience uh, the presence of Jesus, let me, uh, let me read this. This is A.W. Tozer, an old Alliance guy who says, this seems to be something taken for granted. And yet I wonder how many Christians really harbor within their own spirit the daily expectation of God's presence. How many truly expect a personal encounter with God? It is quite important to cultivate a daily expectation of God's presence in your day. And so we can say here, be intentional, lean in, spend some time with Jesus. Rick, be quiet. I like to talk too much. And learn to hear God's voice. So I'm going to show you a few pictures here. There's a picture there. Uh, Now, all these pictures are taken in a city. I was walking along a path in Florida, and uh, and Sherry, who's an avid bird watcher, she says, you hear that? No. She says, I can hear that. It's an owl. So we're walking along, we hear this owl out there, and I look up, and there, this, this picture was literally about 15 feet right above my head. This owl's looking down at me. So what it reminded of me, and Sherry is an avid bird watcher, she said, did you hear that? Nope. Did you see that? Nope. She says, Rick, you got to listen. Stop talking. You got to listen. And so, uh, so I was reminded of that. So we were up in Alaska, and uh, we hadn't seen many moose. So Sherry says, I want to go see a moose. The guy says, uh, go down to the city park. You might see one there. So this is, uh, this is Bullwinkle. And uh, so you're walking down the park. I took this picture. It is a little striking to come around a corner and just have this moose just staring at you. But here's what I would just say is we went looking for this moose, and we found it. So when we listen for God's voice, we can hear it. When we go looking for God's work and in presence, we can see that. Let's look at the next picture. Uh, this was also taken in Alaska. This is an interesting bird. This is an Arctic turn. I was walking down a city street, and this is actually just a rail along the water in, in a city in, in Alaska. This is an Arctic turn. This bird flies from the North Pole to the South Pole and back. Like no other bird. But, here, but here's what I noticed. Is, so the first one was the owl. I, lo- I heard it. I looked up and I saw it. The moose, we went looking for it. This, I just looked over and there it was sitting five or ten feet away from me. And so what happens is, is God is working in your midst. You just have to be ready for it and open for it as I was for this Arctic turn. And uh, this one is a little hard to see on this screen but uh, this is a this is a uh, little family. What are they, Sherry? Barn swallows. Barn swallows. So what happened would be is Sherry said, "Did you see those barn swallows out there?" I said, "This is at a grocery store." And uh, and so if you look at the box, there was some outdoors. The California is over by Yosemite National Park. There was some shopping carts below that. She says, "Look up and see that." And so I looked. So here's what we have: is these are all pictures from the city. Just look, seek. And ask the Lord to show you what he's doing in your city, in your life. The presence is not just going to knock you upside the head. You have to be open to it, looking for it, seeking the Lord's presence. Let's talk about kingdom authority. So we have kingdom identity. We have kingdom worship. We have kingdom presence. Now we have kingdom authority. You're doing pretty well. you got four fingers there. Kingdom identity, kingdom worship, kingdom presence, now kingdom authority. Not only did Jesus come with the kingdom of God in his presence, he came with authority and power. And so we we read that verse at the bottom. It says, the reason the Son of Man came, 
Let me uh, get my uh, piece here so I can say it correctly. The reason the Son of Man came was to destroy the works of the devil. And so what we have is we have in our mix, you might say, is there really demonic work in our presence in California? The answer is yes, yes. And so I'll just tell a couple quick stories from our time in China because we saw it there. I was not, when I was a younger Christian, I was not open. I just thought there's God in heaven, there's me here, we're good. And I didn't realize that there's a supernatural realm going on around me. And, uh, but I was, I was talking to a Chinese student one day at my university in China. I said, what are you doing tonight? He said, I'm meeting with my Qigong master. Now, some of you have heard the term Kung Fu. Kung Fu. Uh, Qigong is a, is a Chinese word. It literally means Qi means air. Gong means power. The power. I said, uh, when you, you're meeting with your Qigong master tonight? And I said, uh, yeah, so how long do you meet with? Oh, you know, I meet with him for an hour or so. I said, are you going to meet with him in a dorm or somewhere else? He said, Rick, I don't have to meet with him in person. I just meet with him in the spiritual realm. I said, why do you meet with him? Because I get spiritual power and I can do supernatural things. And I said, so, so you meet with him? I said, who does he meet with? He says, Rick, he is powerful. He has access to the powers of heaven and so he has supernatural powers nonstop. I just meet him, uh, meet with him each week for about an hour to get a supernatural download into my life. Okay, it sounds like something you read out of the Bible, but here's what you have: goes is we've got the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light at battle, and Jesus came to destroy the works of the evil one, and we have kingdom authority in His name. So we think about that: kingdom identity, kingdom worship, kingdom presence, and. It's still up there, kingdom authority. All right, and so we, we see that First John 1, 8 there. He came to do this. Uh, Jesus does not come for a picnic. He comes for a battle. He came to supernaturally destroy the works of the evil one. So this, on this next slide, I like this picture. This is a guy coming up out of darkness towards the light. So what happens is, is if you experience identity in Christ, kingdom worship, kingdom presence, and kingdom power, God can bring you out of darkness into the light. And so we see this, which is, and I'm just going to touch on these briefly, these four kingdom practices as we see them here. Uh, there's the first two there. Give us this day our daily bread. We can ask to say, Lord, Sherry and I pray most mornings. Lord, help us to bless more people more today. And we ask for your daily presence. Jesus says here, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger. Seek his daily presence. The second thing we can do is we can find forgiveness. God has forgiven us and he asks us to forgive others. So if you have bitterness in your life, it's probably not bothering them. It's just tripping you up. So Jesus says each day, invite the presence and invite the Holy Spirit to say, is there anybody in my life I've not forgiven? Is there anybody in my life I've not forgiven? Because I want to walk in freedom. So uh, forgive us of our sins as we have forgiven those around us. So we want to walk in freedom. The second two practices here is lead us not in temptation. So when you face a temptation in this world, just invite the presence of Jesus. Say, Lord, I'm being tempted by this, that, or the other thing. Invite the presence of Jesus into that, that he might give you freedom that. Remember, as we step into Jesus, he gives us freedom from the darkness of this world. And the last one we talked about earlier, deliver us from evil. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, be alert and sober mind, of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. 
Resist him standing firm in the faith. When you encounter evil spirits, which you can in here in California, call out in the name of Jesus. So let me just uh, do a, a closing here. Kingdom identity, next. Kingdom worship. Kingdom presence. Kingdom authority and kingdom practices. Those five things you can walk around. So now you've got, you've got these tools. The Bible is our, our book for life and faith. Jesus is the center of that. The kingdom of God is the central message. And the Lord's prayer is his most famous prayer. So you can take these, just a couple handful of things, and you can walk out there for the rest of your life and walk in newness of life. And so let's do this. Uh, let, me, uh, let me just finish here. I said I was going to say this. Richard Mann's my father. So, uh, so my father and my parents got divorced when I was about eight. Didn't have a lot of contact with my father. Uh, he would maybe send me a Christmas card once in a while. I went out to Oregon when I was 10 and when I was 15. But for some decades, I did not have a lot of contact. So then about four years ago, I got a Christmas card from him, and he included a note in it. The note said, Richard, so glad to see your new faith in Christ. My hope this year is that you can learn to know him better. Signed, Gail Getman. I just get this in my Christmas card from my father, who has no spiritual interest, atheist his whole life, alcoholic his whole life, problem child his whole life, problem father his whole life. And so I call him up and I said, what happened? He said, a friend, an older friend of mine, an older lady, uh, was uh, not doing well. And so I used to go over and help her out a little bit. And her grandson used to come. And when he would come each week, he would talk to her about new life in Christ. And he did this week after week after week. She died never responded. He says, I gave my life to Christ. 86 years old. 86 years old. Wow. I thought, it's remarkable Rick Mann came to Christ at 18. It's a near miracle Richard Mann came to Christ at 18. So here's what I want to encourage you. It is never too late to open your life to Jesus and see that transforming. But here's, I just want to tell you one thing because I mentioned, uh, so we're, t we're chatting, uh, we, we're chatting a little more regularly. He says, hey Rick, uh, Really glad to talk with you today. Uh, I hope to talk to you soon. I love you. First time I ever heard that. I didn't tell him to say it. I didn't do anything. Jesus changed his heart from the inside out. About three years later, he passed away. And it is, uh, it is just miraculous to see. God is in the business of not only bringing people to himself, but also to transforming the hearts and lives of people. So uh, let's just do this. We're going to finish with, uh, with these words on uh, giving a life to Christ. I said it earlier. And so let's just do this. Let's just uh, bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'm going to kind of uh, just talk us through this together. So if you could do that. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity that I had to give my life to Christ and for Richard Mann to give his life to Christ. But Lord, I don't know who came in here today, but Lord, you are giving them the opportunity to give their lives to Christ, to admit that they're a sinner, that they need you, to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and commit their lives to you. So with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I just want to give you opportunity to, uh, to give your life to Christ. So if you're saying, hey, Rick, I don't know why I'm here, but I do want to give my life to Christ, could you just raise your hand? Okay, a couple more moments there. Say, Jesus, I uh, see that hand there. 
And uh, it's a little bright here. Okay. Uh, all right. Let's let's do this then. Uh, let's go ahead and open our eyes. And uh, I uh, I want to start. Why don't we stand and read this prayer together? Because the person who raised their hand, they might be praying this for the first time. But the rest of us can be reminded as we close. As we close, I know for some of you it might be a little bit hard to read. But let's read this together. Lord, I admit that I'm a sinner in need of forgiveness. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead. Today, I confess that you're my Savior and Lord. I will follow you all the days of my life. And so if you've prayed that prayer today for the first time, I'd like you to just uh, uh, to talk to someone here, talk to one of the pastors here, and just share with them. Uh, Sherry and I are going to Oregon tomorrow. We're not going to see you anytime soon. And so, uh, so we want you to be connected and be able to be rooted in this congregation here. So, Pastor, you're going to come in uh, and close us out here. So, Lord, thank you for your goodness and grace. Thank you for how you work. And we pray for your blessing uh, on these three, but uh, on others who have needs. And so I pray for openness to receive what you have today. So thank you for your goodness and grace. Thank you that we can walk in your, your kingdom presence today. So I, I pray a blessing on this body in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You can start reading Colossians because that's where we're starting next week with the next sermon series. Otherwise, bless you. We'll see you next week.